0: Hello, Cardock Radio Facebook page. We are back here on our regular time, Sunday night, July 21st, 2019. Tonight we're talking about types of trials not caused by past wrongs. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, we all know that we have trials that are caused by our past wrongs, right? We have expiation. But there's a lot of things the spirit world just wants us to learn. It's like going to school you have to learn reading, writing, arithmetic, calculus, whatever, right? Again, we need to be exposed to all sorts of areas, right? We may need to be nobility, we need to be uh, poor, we may be a slave, we, you know, uh, a soldier, lead armies or lead corporations or be a mother, have many children, have no children. All these things are just all maybe experiences we all need. Who knows? It's very, you know, it's vast and varied out there. We have a lot to learn. We are, we are immature spirits who are being molded and being shown. But let's first, why we're here? I'm here because of Alan Kardec, right? Our great codifier of spiritism. Here he is. <clears throat> Alan Kardec wrote the spirit book in the 1850s, amongst other books. I also recommend the Gospel According to Spiritism, which is a great book. But this book is really, it's 1,019 questions, all posed by Alan Kardec. He gave it to different mediums who talked, you know, who we thought, you know, we talked to different spirits. It's up to the spirit world under the guidance of the spirit of truth. And he did not use the answers unless he had similar answers or exact answers from multiple mediums talking to spirits throughout uh, France. So. He organized that. He's not like a person that just channels one spirit, right? And Deck said, if that was true, then everything he said could be questioned, because even he says you never know if you're just channeling one spirit. You don't know how to, to determine if that spirit really knows what he or she is talking about. But many people, and it may not be a high spirit; it could be someone who thinks they know what they're talking about. Emanuel Swedenborg, who came about what fifty. 75 years before Alan Kardec said some spirits told him things and he put things in his book. And he was fooled because they didn't know what they're talking about. Other things he misinterpreted. So these are all things that I mean can happen to anyone. But Spiritism has been brought to you by Alan Kardec. And it's not just there. The Spirit books doesn't end there. Spiritism tells us there's more information as as we are ready for it. More and more is told to us. And that has happened. Leon Denis, who I'm discussing his book here and hereafter on my Wednesday program from my Facebook site, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us. You can go to that on Wednesdays. At the same time, I'm doing this one at 7 o'clock Eastern. This, Karatek Radio, I'm doing on Sundays, 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific, all time zones in between around the world, and the same time zones with my Facebook page, Spiritism and the Spirit World Around Us, but it's on Wednesday night, so I... I, uh, you know, it, ask everyone who's interested. You want to see live stream, you want to ask me questions. You can ask, put in your comment section. I will see them. I will read them. And we can have a dialogue. So I would, you know, and if it's off topic, it's no, no problem. I'm happy. I go off topic naturally. So don't worry about it. Also on these uh, live streams, I record them. I put them on Kardec Radio. I also put them on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, and my BitTube channel. You can get links to my both of my channels on nwspiritism.com, on nwspiritism.com. So, what are we talking about tonight? Well, we're talking about, of course, reincarnation. And this is, if you'd like to get deeper into this, this is my book, The Case for Reincarnation, Your Path to Perfection. And I talk, and so everything I've said about here, uh, I'll post it on YouTube and BitChute. But if you want to read the book, it's on Kindle and paperback. I've also been doing, uh, just to let everybody know, I know some people have been interested in this. I have my first audiobook out, which is my book, my more of my personal book, of uh, Seven Tenets of Spiritism. And that is how I saw the signs and signals and how i discovered the seven tenets of Spiritism, what they told me what i thought the spirit world how they guided me guided my family uh kind of how i got into spiritism so it's, a, it's my most personal book that i have so i that if you like audio books of course i have it on kindle and paperback but again i that was just out last friday i, I believe or thursday i can't remember so that was you know just out last week and um, so, I hope everyone, if you like it, uh, please enjoy it. Again, there's links to this on my website, nwspiritism.com. Now, let's talk about reincarnation. But let's first, let's go over how it all works. I, I, I created this diagram because I think it helps place us where we need to be. So, karma is a process right and it works and it's real because the spirit world even there's even references that besides buddha and other religions saying that we have reincarnation which is all right even jesus talked about it you have to be born again to be saved and a lot of people interpreted that you know as to be baptized etc and there's parts of truth of that. But you really have to be born. I mean, you have to be born many times. You have to go through many lives. And in karma, you have the previous life, right? As I've said this before, each life is recorded, every, everything, every detail, your thoughts, people's thoughts around you. We have a lot of reports about this in the NDEs. Then your current life is you're following a blueprint that was all created because of your previous life and also maybe influences from lives beyond that determines the plans, the trials, and episodes of your current life. Now, into that, there's also going to be broadening experiences. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight, these broadening experiences, these, these things you need to learn. And then the future life, right? How you're doing on this life, will will then start, to start creating the curriculum for your next life. Now, let me give you an example of... of a, a a trial right of, of and I'll start here a trial that increase the range of experience and I'll go back into the four different types but let me let me go for this one first so you understand what I'm talking about. The great uh, mentor of of uh, Chico Xavier was Emmanuel and before oh, Beham Pierre Hilly oh Hilly. Hi, hi, hi to you too. So Emmanuel was the mentor of Chico Xavier. Chico Xavier was born in 1910 and died in 2002, when Brazil won the World Cup. So Emmanuel was tasked to be his mentor, his you know his guardian mentor, as in leading the you know teams of spirits as Chico's going through these mediumship. But they needed. Hi, to Monterey, Mexico. Wow. Wonderful. Got somebody from Monterey listening today. So he needed to know modern Portuguese. So what happened? They sent him to a life and he died, I think, uh, I could be wrong here by a year or so, but he died in his early 20s, 21 or so. And he really lived that life so he could learn Portuguese. He didn't, you know, as a childhood, you don't go through that much teenage, a typical teenage acts. But I mean, it was, his life wasn't full of stuff, right? But he died, which they thought was a natural death. I, I don't know what he died of, but he died young. And of course, everyone thought it was a tragedy. But really, when you think about it, it was just, okay, we're going to put you there. You're going to go to school, high school, and you're going to go to college for a bit, and you're going to really learn how to speak modern Portuguese. That was just the for his life. The spirit world, see? This is why I love the book. Uh, on the way to light by uh, Emmanuel, because you can just see the spirit world uses the whole earth as a chessboard, right? And they just put pieces on and off, and the pieces never die. We are immortal, and then they use them for different things. When Alan Kardec came to Earth, they put all sorts of spirits around to uh, assist him, you know, and then. So these are all things that are there. So let's get back to reincarnation types of trials, not caused by past wrongs because they are there. Not everything we go through is caused by something we've done in the past. Because, right, there are many types of trials that we must experience just like your kids, right? And you just, you know, take them to the zoo or whatever, just to experience these things. And most of our trials, of course, I'm not going to deny that, are there to pay for our past wrongs and teach us how the other person felt when we committed an incorrect act. And one important point to remember is that besides the trials we are assigned due due to our own failings, there are an additional, I would think, in my opinion, there are four possible reasons for what we live through here on earth. Number one is random events. Number two, Trials that we request. We requested these trials. Number three, trials that increase our range of experiences. The example of what I just told you about Emmanuel. He needed to learn. He came to earth to learn something, learned it, back. Number four, missions. Now, we may not know what type of lessons we are entertaining at the time. But if we analyze our attitudes and behaviors, we may deduce with high probability the broad category. Let's start with the most common. That's random events. So I'll be clear up front, right? Some spiritists believe that none are very close to zero random events occur to us. They believe there's no such thing as a coincidence or, a, or you know, or just a, uh, something that happens out of the blue. Almost every encounter, every event, such as a meeting a friend on the street corner by accident, isn't actually an accident. That uncle that called you out of the blue did so for some purpose, which may remain hidden from us forever, or at some time in the future, the purpose will be revealed. Now there is a word for this: this random event that actually has a purpose, and that's synchronicity. And oh, Magda Schornerberg, ah, oh, hello. In synchronicity is the experience of two or more events as meaningful, meaningfully or related, they where they are unlikely to be casually related. The subject sees it as a meaningful coincidence. And the concept of synchronicity was first described by Carl Jung, a Swiss psychologist in the 1920s. And he dived deeper into the term. And in fact, he saw these random events guided by some higher order, or in his words, a deeper order. He believed that Life was not composed of random events, but laid out for a purpose. And there is an orderly framework to our life, which would assist in our intellectual and spiritual growth with the purpose of shifting a person's egocentric conscious thinking into greater wholeness. Now, I know what I'm saying. I'm I'm telling you that some people don't believe in any random events, but I want to get this into, into perspective, because I believe there are some. But let me just carry on with synchronicity, because... To our outs, I think, we believe those are random events. What he said is shifting a person's egocentric conscious thinking to a greater wholeness. Now, that could be the definition for the reason for reincarnation. Carl Jung was brilliant. He really knew. Freud, well, it just went back to childhood. He sure went back, 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 and back to previous life, because that's the reason a lot of things, why we are what we are. So, and of course, we are but immature souls on a planet where we reside to learn to be less selfish and more fraternal. Not only was Jung correct about our supposedly unique life, but his theorem could be used to prove the arc of our multiple lives as we advance from a primitive, brutal animal who takes what he or she can to a civilized soul who understands the importance of self-discipline in order to make society function smoothly. So let me give you an example of... From Jung's book, in his book titled Synchronicity, he gives us an example. This is what he said. My example concerns a young woman patient who, in spite of efforts made on both sides, proved to be psychologically inaccessible, The difficulty lay in the fact that she always knew better about everything. Her excellent education had provided her with a weapon ideally suited to this purpose, namely a highly polished Cartesian rationalism with an impeccably geometrical idea of reality. After several fruitless attempts to sweeten her rationalism with a somewhat more humane understanding, I had to confine myself to the hope that something unexpected and irrational would turn up, something that would burst the intellectual retort in which, in which, into which she had sealed herself. Well, I was sitting opposite her one day, with my back to the window, listening to her flow of rhetoric. She had an impressive dream the night before in which someone had given her a golden scarab, a casa peacely, a costly piece of jewelry. While she was telling me this dream, I heard something behind me gently tapping on the window. I turned around and saw it was a fairly large flying insect that was knocking against the window pane from outside in the obvious effort to get into the dark room. This seemed to me very strange. I opened the window immediately and caught the insect in the air as it flew in. It was a scarabribe beetle, our common rose chafer which I guess was a toniarata, whose green-colored, whose gold-green color most nearly resembles that of a golden scarab i handed this beetle to my patient with the words here is your scarab this experience punctured the desire hole in irrationalism and broke the ice of her intellectual resistance the treatment can now be continued with satisfactory results so let me let me go on with you know things that seem to be random that aren't. Then I'll get to the real random things, which I believe I've, I've read about. In the works by San Francisco, San Francisco C. Xavier, also called Chico, the books dictated to Chico Xavier by the spirit under have many examples of how the spirit world influences events. An example from a spiritist medium, uh, you know, from the deeper order of the, the spirit world, would be the episode when a medium was supposed to go to a medium a meeting so a seance could take place, which would assist discarnate spirits. The woman is about to leave the house when her slightly drunk husband returned from his bar, hopping early, and demanded dinner and for her to stay with him. The spirit team in charge of the mediums quickly influenced her husband's sister to come over to the house, offer to make dinner, and to stay with the husband while the medium went to her important meeting. To the medium, it appeared as a coincidence, a lucky break that her sister-in-law decided at that moment to pop over and allowed her to make her appointment. But it wasn't a lucky break. It was an example of a manipulation of events by a power not of this world, belonging to a universe that we do not perceive, but we are part of and ultimately report to. What is the extent of this influence? Do they regulate the flight of each butterfly, which could affect our weather patterns? I don't know the answer. This knowledge may be shielded from us. But all of us can think back and spot a moment when we either needed something at the precise moment and got it by pure chance or tried to do something stupid, looking back at it from a mature point of view, of course, and were prevented by circumstances beyond our control. Was it chance or predetermination? Or when we did a completely idiotic stunt stunt, were we allowed so we could learn the hard way. Did the, the potential girlfriend or boyfriend we passionately wanted to get acquainted with during college but could never arrange it? Was that the guiding hand of the spirit world, hurting us to a more constructive relationship at a later time? So once you start considering the alternate paths that we may have traveled, and how the unseen hand of destiny opened some doors and closing others, you begin to see the amount of effort and planning that is involved in getting the human race onto the correct road. We are like elementary school children being actively manipulated, all the while totally clueless, enjoying ourselves, constantly wandering off the planned path, but being gently herded back onto it, all in the hope that we, the little ones, may somehow pick up a useful amount of knowledge. Therefore, is everything completely planned? Well, I still don't think so. I believe there are accidents and coincidences. So let me give you some examples. One I read in a book by the Spirit rap by Chico Xavier Andre Louise. He was talking about how you know this donkey was going down, and then, and then he was you know then he started talking to the spirits, and all of a sudden something happened, and and the donkey hit the owner in the head, and and then one spirit said like, "Oh, I'm in big trouble because I wasn't watching what was going on, and the donkey hit the guy in the head, but he's not dead." <laughs> he goes and he treated the donkey so bad He just the donkey was just waiting to give him a big whack. Well, that was an instance, I think, of randomness. Now, the guy got hit. He's not dead, but I don't th- it from the book, the way it was written. I'm I'm just paraphrasing, I'm not quoting. Sounded to me like it was an unplanned random event. Now, I've seen things in people's NDEs. This one NDE, he was a boy about 12 he was playing on some rocks, of course, right? And all of a sudden, it was like it was a dead winter and the rocks were frozen. And then it just like cracked off, right? Because it, that can happen, right? Just the, the ice and stuff makes the rocks go back and forth. And he fell down the thing and a rock fell on top of him. And he had an NDE. And then he said, well, this wasn't supposed to happen. But we can make you still live, but you will go through life and there will be pain in your life, but you will still be able to live. And this is what will happen to your family if you don't live. And he showed him his sister, you know, his sister and her parents, none of them turned out good. But if he did live, they're all proud of him. He was the first of his his family to go to college. His mother and father would stay together. His sister would be okay. All these good things. They showed him both events in his life, which... To me, it just shows you the, the computing power of the spirit world, right? That they could they could bring in, that they could see this random event that happened. It was too late to stop it. Now, was some higher spirit knew about this? And it's only random to the lower spirits that were watching him? That could be another whole thing to talk about. That I have no clue, because the higher spirits can see much farther. So, but the whole, the spirits that were with him, They saw that as a true accident, right? It didn't happen the way they thought it was supposed to happen. They weren't given any any instructions. Now, I've also seen reports of spirits saying, even when they're given instructions to do things, they go, I don't understand how this is going to help. But then, you know, when they were talking to the Reverend G. and they always go, later on, we kind of figured out, oh, okay, that's why. It's kind of like the messages my wife and I get, when we get messages from the spirit world, and we try to go, "Okay, okay, what does this mean? And it's just amazingly, we're like always wrong. And, and it's always means something different. Like, oh, this is a pop that's going to happen. And of course, no, it doesn't happen that way. Something else happened. It's you know, still things that I thought, I don't understand why that happened. I haven't figured it out yet, but there is a reason to it. Let me go another, um, uh, case, another example why we think not, I think that not everything is planned down to the last bit. In the book, I think it was the book before Liberation. It, it was the book where Andre Louise met his grandfather, and he his grandfather was down on the lower zone, almost the uh, um, almost below that, but I think it was very close. And he was a miser, and he was doing things. and his, He got he, he took his grandfather to a a post, and he said, "Can you help him?" And they go, "Yeah, we can we can help your grandfather. We'll reincarnate him." And he goes, "Well." Doesn't that take a lot of planning and life, right and, and time? And he goes, no, it he goes he's gonna he's probably just gonna work as a manual laborer, like a you know construction person or whatever. And his life isn't going to intersect many people. So we have a lot of freedom to uh, incarnate him into where he should go. So yeah, we can take care of it. So that when I read that paragraph, it just it just told me like, oh my God you know, noblesse oblige is, is real, right? They said, if you're not that important in the world, you can, there's a, there's a lot of things you can, you know, like it is, you can be born in a place, right? Maybe some small little town, be a farmer your whole life, because you're not going to intersect with too many people, right? Or anybody important, not that you're not important, not anybody who's living this is important, but they're not going to intersect with the world at large. They're not going to change the culture. They're not going to write a classic novel or make a movie or whatever. So therefore, those people actually will have a lot more freedom. They'll still make sure they go through the trials they planned for that person, but they'll have a lot more freedom of, of as far as the spirit will put them where they want to because they don't intersect. So it must be where they have levels of importance, right? So... A person who's very important is going his, to, his parents, his brother, his sister, his friends are all going to be very carefully planned out. And anyone he intersects with, you know, any, anyone that comes in his college he goes to, you know, who he marries, ev- his children, you know, political enemies and friends or whatever, you know, business en- enemies and friends, they're all going to be very planned out, it's going to be. The, so there's 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 probably different levels for different people. Let me give you an instance of this of what I felt. I was working for a bank, and we had, in this bank, was in, uh, We had a, a guest speaker um, was the past prime minister of of England, and you know, they, they people came on and they were talking before him, and then he came on and I, I could feel I just felt spirits I mean I'm not a medium but somehow I can I could feel the presence of spirits I just felt it so strong around him and and it was like sometimes I think I, I I read those sections in the the books you know beforehand and I thought oh okay well this actually proves what you know the theory was is that higher spirits they're surrounded by people and everything they do uh is is watched so therefore I could feel the spirits around him. So he wasn't just some, you know, laborer or someone, you know, like me, not that important. He was somebody important and therefore um, watch very carefully. Everything around him was going to be very planned and I could feel it. So, therefore, I believe that some things, right? You know, a bee sting could just be a bee sting, right? That fender bender... This may be a fender bender, right? But it depends also on your level. Most probably, the more you interact with others who can actually make a difference. I don't, I don't know. I don't want this to sound too prideful or whatever, right? For you know, you guys want to think this, but you always keep your humbleness. But if you're one of the captains of industry or in politics, these things are going to happen to you much more planned and there'll be less, I believe there'll be a lot less randomness or the possibility of randomness or the probability of random, randomness in your life. I think the the more you are solo, right? The more you are on your own, I think you have a greater probability of having random events happen to you. Now, that's just my theory. I could be wrong. Now let's go to the next one. Trials that we request. Now, there, these are the types of trials that ambitious spirits sign up for in order to advance toward perfection. And good spirits are eager to climb the ladder to excellence. Oh, by the way, these are the types who continues, continuously raise your hand in class or keep asking questions of the teacher when, when all you want is to get out of there. Don't we all remember? We go, oh my God, it. stupid person's asking the teacher a question and I just want to get out, right? I was a person that tried to stay in the back you know, do my little doodling or whatever. Uh, I wasn't that person that raised my hand in class. Unfortunately, these same people are also successful in later life, thereby proving that hard work pays off. And, you know, I detest it when my shortcut isn't successful, but I've learned about that now. So, whereas most understand the need to pay for their accumulated debts, many want to go beyond the cycle of slow growth towards perfection and request more difficult tasks. The type of tasks that are considered are the ones that impose a heavy burden, such as devoting your life to helping a disabled brother or sister, thereby sacrificing your happiness in the service of another. To be of service to our fellow souls is a difficult calling, taking away your options for a fuller life, where it could be the chance to acquire property, love, or the pursuit of your dreams. Good spirits may also request and be granted an opportunity to help the soul reform. As an example, the prospective parents wanting to be of use to increase the spread of virtue among the human race, they volunteer for an additional level of difficulty. This type of request is indirectly referred to in the Spirit's Book. That's why the Spirit's Book is so great. It's in Question 209. Here's the question. How is it that good and virtuous parents often give birth to children of perverse and evil nature? In other words, How is it that the good qualities of the parents do not always attract them through sympathy a good spirit to emanate their child? So the answer is, a wicked spirit may be asked to allow to have virtuous parents in the hope that their counsel may help him to amend his ways. And God often confines such, such a one to the care of a virtuous person or persons in order that he or she may be benefited by their affection and care. So, how many of us have seen wonderful families with good parents who had that lone black sheep, right? We, we look at the family situation and we'll wonder attempt to analyze how that child could be so different from the others. The answer is that even with the best of intentions, reforming an errant, errant spirit is a daunting task. Blessed are those who step forward and demonstrate their dedication to assist needy souls. As covered, covered before, as I talked about on this, it was about childhood and reincarnation, a child is malleable until their true character becomes apparent, usually in the middle or late teens. It's say 15 to 20. Hence, we see small children under the influence of their parents behaving dutifully, and then a transformation occurs where their past lives intrude on their behavior, for their conscience and instincts must have been reinforced in the wrong direction. If they had retained the force of will to fervently wish to grow toward the good, these children are able to surmount their past. If not, they will leave a path of sadness and destruction among their parents, brothers, and sisters. Whatever the outcome, the parents will be rewarded for their intent. And I I hesitate to use the term debit and credit because it implies an impersonal ledger. Where one must carefully weigh the good that we do, our credits, and the wrongs we commit, our debits, and hope that we come out with a positive balance at the end of each life. For this doesn't measure the amount of our love, the expansion of our attitude to be forgiving and helpful to all, the holistic growth that our soul may have experienced. Nor does it appear to the extent of our selfishness, our love for our possessions, that may have ruled us, outwardly seeming to be at peace with the world but in reality loving our goods more than our family. So, at the end of the day, we must still sum up the positive and negative to arrive at the distance we have gained. Overcoming obstacles, contributing to others to our society's well-being, ensures we have a positive mark in our ledger. Hence, from a purely accounting view, taking on more is logical, whereas the amassing of credit is familiar to us. The spirit world sees us differently. We shouldn't underestimate the desire to be of service. The love that is showered upon us springs from their hearts we need to always be aware that they too have walked in our shoes. They have felt the pain and confusion that comes with a physical body. Socrates said that no human can ever know wisdom while locked in the container with a thousand distractions, and he meant container, the physical body. The best that we can do is find temporary haven in our studies and meditations, feeling those moments of bliss when we are detached and can concentrate uh, on our progress. Outside of that, we must soldier on, performing what we can, maintaining a good attitude. After all, this is but an instant of time in your mortal life. And there's an example of that in um, Missives of Hope, Spiritual Wisdom. And they talked about this lady who was completely bedridden. And she had been a queen, a very powerful queen. And they said about her is that no one was a better friend to her friends nor a worse enemy to her enemy. Anyone that crossed her, wow, she was just cut off at the knees. She had a life that she asked for of extreme pain and being bedridden because she had lived other lives and she still didn't feel that she had paid for her past debts. So this is an example of someone asking to come back to do that. And, you know, and then maybe there's people like, you know, Mother Teresa, who has to come back, and that was that may have been a mission, not not a self-requested task. So I'm not sure, but you know, there are just wonderful people that say, "Hey, I want to be born like this. I want to be born poor." Uh, there was another example in one of the books uh, my wife was telling me about. It's in Spanish, and this lady who led a good spiritual life, but she didn't feel that she was spiritual in adverse circumstances. I suppose. And she, and she, and she loved her husband and they were, they wanted to be together, but she said, no, this next life. First of all, her husband needed to be more spiritual without the influence of his wife, which we see. And I also talked about that in one of my videos, why our soul may not be with us. Because, as this is an example, is the husband, you know, used his wife too much. He was dependent on his wife for her to be the spiritual side her to be the filter and influence of that and not for him to internalize it. So she said, no, your next life, you're going to have to be somewhere else. And I recommend you be the son of your son who's going to be a spiritist. And because goes, she was going to go and live a poor life in Washington, D.C. Of course, this couple was in, I think, in, in uh, Brazil. But she was going to live a poor life in Washington, D.C. So again, that was probably requested for her. Because she wanted to uh, expand something. It wasn't a, missions, you know, a mission given by the spirit world. It was something that she thought that she needed. So, when you see that social worker helping the dispossessed, your friend or your friend of the strap providing constant care for a relative, the reverend or priest who walks among the deserving poor, please realize these are altruistic souls who will not only serve those in the here and now, but shall be a fourth for good in many lives in the future. Now, let's go to number three, rounding out our training. So I talked about this at the very beginning, right? So, I'm sorry, we aren't allowed to fly through a good life and graduate with honors, right? No matter how saint-like we behave in one life, we are still required to accumulate an impressive set of proficiencies. Just like I talked about with Emmanuel. I had to learn modern Portuguese, okay? put you on Earth for 20 years, i will go quick, bring you back. So, as discussed earlier, to become an effective, high-level spirit, we need to be forged in real-life events. Some are educational, some are painful, others, to us, are a nuisance. All are meant to expose us to varied sections of life. This is why it's just so wonderful being a spirit, because you look at all these things that happen to yourself, and your friends and others around you, you go, I wonder why they had to go through that. Or I wonder why I had to go through that. And then sometimes I wonder, like, I signed up for that? Am I an idiot? It's just it's just amazing. It just makes you, and then it, it really helps you. It helps you get out of your body or up on that 10,000 foot level, right? And it helps you look at things differently. So it's not, it's not like, I used to be like, poor me, I'm a victim. No, no, sorry, you're not a victim. Mm-hmm. You're here to learn. So. Remember that pure spirits are powerful entities who are able to travel instantaneously by thought and manifest themselves in varied levels of matter and appearance. So one would not want these uber souls to lack the training required, right? Remember, the spiritual thought is action. They can create temples and buildings. They can guide the life of planets. And you want these people, you know, just to have, you know, a quick five-minute PowerPoint presentation, yeah, or go leave this point No, no, they're, they're going to go through eons of training. That's how important they are, and that's how important we will. We're going through all this for a purpose. We are going to be so powerful. You—you, you, No one will believe me of how powerful you can become. Think of Jesus Christ now. If you think of Jesus Christ the way most people think of him, he was a very humble, wonderful person, but he had all this mediumistic ability. Of course, most people aren't sure about that, but the more you look at spiritualism, the more you understand. But Jesus is actually this the governor of our planet. He helped set the earth where it is. He helped set the solar system. He helped set the moon, set the the life. He he and his 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 spirit, you know, managers, right, workers guided animals, guided the dinosaurs, but a comet or whatever it was, asteroid, destroyed the dinosaurs, created, you know, mammals, all these things. He is so powerful. In fact, I read one thing where, and, and in my book, you, you can read it on, on my book, Heaven and Below. And I talk about when uh, the High Spirit's talking to Reverend G. Balowan, and I give examples even from um, the books by Sugar Shavir and others, is how powerful Jesus was. And this one person wrote the fact that he was on, in this hall and Jesus was coming through and he was like, he had the flower in his hand and, and each little flower, he, he would just like have the other person hold it. And when he, and this guy held the held the flower, he just felt so much power. And then the high spirit told Reverend J. goes, goes, oh, I think he used the flower because if I had touched him directly, I could have been destroyed which goes against the fact that we are immortal spirits and live forever. So, But I thought, oh, that's interesting. Because he, he has so much power, if I had touched him, who knows what would have happened, right? I could have just been demolished. So it just shows you, you know, at this high-level G- spirit, Jesus was just, is mostly made of maybe pure energy. I don't know. Most probably he is a pure spirit. Maybe that means he's pure energy. As you go and level spirits, you are more, you are more energy. The ratio of energy to matter goes higher and higher and higher until you probably are pure energy. Where we are here on earth, we are mostly matter, right? The, uh, the, uh, souls around us on the umbral and below are, you know, less matter than we are, but they are still, you know, a ratio of matter to energy. And then the higher when you're in heaven, you are more energy, that, you know, a ratio is higher and higher and higher. And I talk about all this in my in my three books, Heaven and Below, The Spirit, uh, The Spirit World, Spirits in the Spirit World, and then also How We Are Guided by Spirit. So again, if you're interested in really learning on, on the higher levels of of uh, heaven, why we're here, what the powers of the spirit, how we're guided, I recommend you get these books. And of course, there's links to these on my on my website, nwspiritism.com. Dot com. I'm going to put this video up on YouTube tonight and also on BitChute. And of course, please subscribe to YouTube or BitChute. Share this video to other Facebook page and also share my videos. And like, please like or hit the hit the bell button on YouTube and share those videos from uh, uh, BitChute or YouTube. It helps the algorithm on YouTube the more you share the video. So I hope that uh, this would be of service to you. Now, let's go back to what we were talking. So, as I said before, these are things we have to go through. We have to be well-rounded, right? So, of course, someone as powerful as Jesus, you don't want him to lack training, right? Although the earth wasn't created you know, very well, it's only going to last a couple billion years, not as much as it is, no. So, that's why we have to go through so many trials, right? An effective army is measured by the reaction to every circumstance. That's why when you're in training, training live fire or firemen training to put out fires, or they say, oh, if we can get a house let's, let's destroy a real house, right? Or they make very, you know, close, real simulations, right? As realistic as possible. And therefore, you know, you that's therefore an efficient, you know, doctor or Soldier or fireman or whatever, right? Their reactions are not mere collective happenstance. Well, let me think how we should do that. But they're brought about repetitive drilling and participation in real-life scenarios. Let's take for examples. You want to know what to do during a peasant revolt? Well, then you have to spend time as a peasant. Helping soldiers cope over the stress of battle? Well, then you need to live through the hard times as a soldier, and most probably felt the end of your life as you were beaten in combat by an adversary. You need to influence a prestigious leader, then you too should have lived through the time of critical events, where only you were capable of making life and death decisions to ensure your community survived and prospered. Now, do all of us need to live through every permutation, and combination of events? I, I doubt it. But then we are immortal, so big numbers shouldn't scare us, right? Big combinations, you know, X to the power of whatever, or combinatorials, which is, you know, I won't go through that, and get pretty big pretty fast, but at the very least, we should be aware of the different points of view, the motivations, the wants and desires, the anxieties and the passions of people from every segment of society. Only by living in their shoes, feeling the hunger or fear they do, can we begin to comprehend the depth of their feelings. Only from that standpoint could we begin the long process to guide others to a better road, a road which may take a lifetime to find. So, without the viewpoint on high from the trajectories a life must journey, how could we guide the immature spirit in the succession of lives to expose that soul to the required events, to evoke a change of heart? To be a leader requires decisions, judgments which may progress or retard a valuable spirit's quest for perfection. So, where am I leading with all this? Well, here, when you ask yourself during those exasperating times, why in the heck do I have to go through this? Now you know one of the possibilities. It could be a valuable stepping stone or more aptly one more brick in your foundation to supply you with the fortified structure to build your future upon. You have acquired a valuable data point, right? A reference, which at some future occasion may prove to be a key to your success. Every event adds to your instinct. And remember, when we are reborn, your instincts are available for us to utilize. Also... You also, we are furnished with our conscience. And as we mature, we build up our conscience, which is that law library, that set of divine laws, right? So if we have, we can increase our conscience, the effectiveness and filters of our conscience, we can see what is the right path. Because, well, we all know people who are adults, there's no such thing as black and white. There's all sorts of gray. We learn that as we go through life after life. Therefore, our conscience gets Fuller, more complicated, more efficient, right? To to zero in on what we should do, and our instincts start kicking in. So, if you're able to grow in each life, then, if you're mature, um, this wasn't me, but if you're lucky, your early adulthood won't be a missing decade of bad decisions. (laughs) Yeah. I wish you'll be able to build upon your past, ensuring a smoother road to success, as opposed to the constant struggle to make something of yourself. You shall have more time to gain more awareness, devote yourself to charity, become more spiritual, and survive your trials with the land, instead of complaining every step. And this again was told to us in the great book by Devaldo Frankel, Planetarian Transition, where we've had uh, souls from a, a Higher planet, higher level planet, come to Earth. And one of the spirits asked, ask, you know, are they going to, have to go through the trials and tribulations other humans on Earth go? And they go, no, no, they'll get sicknesses, viruses, colds, but they won't have, you know, the bad illnesses, the cancer, the brain tumors, those type of things. They won't have the, the, the terrible accidents because they have learned all that, right? They're here to help the Earth move forward. They'll be the politicians, the doctors, the scientists, the teachers. So no, they won't have to go through the difficult trials. They are here on a mission, which I'll go through next. So if you can do this, right, and you've seen, you know, and, and we're talking here, let me get to my uh my picture of karma, because i, I open this re I feel so- I apologize for those who are listening to this just on Kardec radio. Oops, went the wrong way. There we go. But again, think of this, think of this, our previous life, right? Each life is recorded, our current life. Now, think of this, your current life is determining every day, your current life is determining your future life. And what you've learned at the end of that life, it really is all the input, maybe not all There's previous lives and maybe a mission, which I'll go through next, is affecting your next life. So you can plan out your next life now by your actions and your deeds. I cannot stress this enough. You want a good life, your next life? Keep that in mind. So, what I'm saying is you should be able to build upon your past, ensuring a smoother road to success, as opposed to the constant struggle to make something of yourself. You shall have more time to gain awareness All that, I'm just repeating myself, but I want to make sure I go through it. Now, does this seem impossible? Haven't we all looked with envy at that young woman or man who remains calm and composed in every circumstance? Who, by their action, they seem mature beyond their years, do they not? Gain the notice of powerful people and then target these mature, mature spirits for advancements in positions of power and influence. When these young enterprising people move into their 30s, they are ready for a career of distinction and substance for decades, ready to make a difference in society and in many lives. You too can be that person. You don't have to be a financial wizard. You don't have to be a mathematical wizard. You don't have to be a creative wizard. Just start doing good in your life, right? Do the best you can. And then these these opportunities will come. Now, let's talk about missions, and I love the quote from Elwood from the movie The Blues Brothers when he says, I am on a mission from God, right? And then, you know, in most probably other films, you know, they're all used in varying degrees as a comedic line, you know, reasons cited by fanatic or from a divine spirit, as they say. And wouldn't most of us love to say that with certainty? With meaning, right? We all have a longing to be part of a movement larger than ourselves. And we spend time daydreaming and making a contribution to the world, wishing to make a difference. Well, we are here to make a difference. While maybe small, imperceptible in increments, small differences, still a difference. We are still able to contribute to society's progress, if only by our example. The spirit world does send members to earth in the hope that they will be valuable contributors to our progress. Missions are referred to in Alan Kardec's The Spirit's Book. Question 572. Is the spirit's mission imposed upon him, or does it depend on his own will? And the answer is, he asked for it and is rejoiced to obtain it. Then the question was, may the same mission be demanded by several spirits? The answer is yes. There are often several candidates for the same mission, but they are not all accepted. Then question 573. In what does the mission of incarnated spirits consist? And the answer is, in instructing men and aiding their advancement and in, and in helping their institutions by direct material means. These missions are more or less general and important, but he who tills the ground accomplishes the mission as, as really as he who governs or instructs. Everything in nature is linked together. And each spirit, by purifying himself by his incarnation, concurs under the human form to the accomplishment of the providential plans. Each of you has a mission because each of you can be useful in some way or the other. So, the quote, accomplishment of providential plans. In other words, a mission from God. All of us are really on a mission from God. We're all here to improve ourselves. But some missions have more of a direct purpose. There is a starting point, milestones in between, and an end state. And our own personal mission to to improve ourselves, our free will and our decisions through our curriculum determine how well we do on that. But other missions, right? Not just some amorphous statement like peace on earth, which is general, although well-meaning, but as a tactical plan, worthless, right? No, our spirits sent on mission and then forgotten, like throwing a fish back into water after catching them and forgetting they existed in seconds. No, like any organization that has goals, there is a department composed of resources committed to the attainment of its objectives. There is a whole organization, just like a huge corporation, but everyone in power belongs there because of their merits. No successful company or government makes a statement or dispatches a person on a task and then supplies no support, no management, no analytics, and no reward. The spirit world is no different. This is why I love talking on these things, because what I'm trying to do is expose the process and the organization of the spirit world so anybody listening can, can decide, do I want to be part of that? And I don't blame you if you don't want to. You have free will. You can park yourself life after life. When you die, you can go down on the lower zone and be, be with other people. You don't have to conform to anything you don't want to, want to be associated with. You don't have to be. That's why I'm trying to just lay out really how the spirit world works. We have been given this information. It is so wonderful. Because now, now I can decide myself. I go, well, Do I want to be part of this? Do I want to rise in the ranks? Do I want to help other people? Do I really want to study? I don't have to, but I I want to because it's exciting. And the things they tell you about, these higher and higher levels, are just so fantastic that it's, you know, I want to try my hardest. And you try your hardest. You're on earth because this is the best place to modify what's in here, your character and your personality. So, So, whenever... One of us, a group, is sent on a mission. They are not alone. They are being trained and prepared. And we may know consciously that, that, let's say, we are meant to accomplish a certain task, but we shall be guided with spirit hands and possibly by other physical team members to our aim. All the while, in the spirit world, there's a support team monitoring our progress, creating reports, determining modifications to the original plan. Just like in a battle, Right. The, uh, you know, as, as you know, the general says, "When uh, you know the first shot, the battle plan's out the door." Right? There's always something else happening, and there's examples of this in Henri Luis's books, where he's helping this lady, and he thought he was going to be helping this older lady to leave Earth. But then, but then his his spirit leader says, "No, no, we're going to have her live for another couple of months because one of the spirits on the guidance and, and Ellis is is just like five year old boy." You know, but of course, he's a mature spirit when he, he left his, uh, he, you know, he's on the mission. He says, no, she shouldn't die yet because his his uh, his future mother-in-law is pregnant and she may lose a child if she has the trauma of, of her mother dying. So his team, was, his mission was changed because of events, right? Just like any project or if you're in the military, just like anything of... The spirit gets reports, and go, no, okay, no, we got to do this. It's all metrics and dynamic, you know, it's all dynamic, right? It's all dynamic decisions. So in reality, we are never alone. Spirits on a mission must be scrutis- scrutinized at every step for hints of failure or unexpected success. There could also be unexpected success, we all know that. New opportunities could present themselves, which could be advantageous to pursue. I know that um Chico Xavier, his mission was to write fifty books. Nope, then they made it 75, then they made it a hundred, right? Then they said, nope, you're gonna spend the rest of your life just doing books. No, and no more of this other mediumship. So and so they found an opportunity and they exploited the opportunity, just like any company would, any military organization would, right? So, are the spirits who are incarnate and perform missions infallible? Certainly not. Because for the simple fact that as soon a spirit emerges with a physical body, all actions become massively more difficult. For instead of preparing in a controlled environment, we are now on the battlefield with a multitude of distractions. Yes, spirits fail, and it's reference in the Spirit's Guide. Question 578. May spirits fail in his mission through through his own fault? The answer is yes, if he's not of a high degree of elevation. What for him are the consequences of such a failure? He is obliged to begin his task over again. This is his punishment, and besides, you'll have to undergo the consequences of the mischiefs caused by failure. And there must be many failures, for we are a frail vessel. And and I've told other people before this, but when I've had communications, my first communication in Spirit World said, I have failed Many, many times. So here, if you want to see a failure in previous lives on my mission, you just look at me. I have been a failure over and over again. So, and it even says in in the books that a vast majority, they said a majority. And it kind of hinted like a vast majority. So I, I saw that as maybe between 80 and 90%. Don't quote me on that. That's just my my thinking of people fell on their missions. There's a great interview uh, by Vanessa Anzalone with uh, uh, Geraldo, and he was saying that he asked Chico one day, he goes, well, what what would have happened if Alan Kardec failed? And Chico said, well, no, there were 52 other people that were as backups for uh, Alan Kardec. They were supposed to go in different areas of the world and kind of do what Alan Kardec was supposed to do. And I'm, I'm probably paraphrasing. I'm not quoting exactly and but who have we heard from now i knew i had heard of the one american and Geraldo talked to him it was andrew and i can't remember if it was johnson or jackson not not the president but he was a very well-known medium but and then as Geraldo said that but you know he talked with other uh, evangelical ministers and priests and, and decided to take out the concept of reincarnation and therefore what he what he brought to people really didn't stick, right? So, 52 people. Only Alan Kardec we remember. We don't remember anybody else. I mean, people like me, maybe who really uh, investigate, maybe I remember one other person, but I, I haven't seen no references to anyone else in the 1850s who brought this information out. Paul, the Apostle Paul, in this wonderful book, uh, Paul and Stephen by Emmanuel. Paul was a backup plan. Why? Because Jesus, they, they're, the spirituals, afraid that Jesus' apostles would 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 um, concentrate too much on trying to uh, get other Jews to be you know, followers of Jesus, and that they would get too much into this, too much in the ceremony and everything about it. But that's why they had Paul come in and said, No, no, you got to get. Everyone, the Gentiles. Everyone, we need to spread the word to everybody. He may, you know, if if other apostles were spreading it as wonderfully, he may have never been called. He may have never had that mission, you know, that encounter on the road to, to, to Damascus. I don't know. So it just shows you how much planning shows you how sophisticated, how much above us that we can't even figure out how, you know. It's just intricate. It's just, you know, these tapestries that they, they, they weave. It's just so amazing. So, therefore, missions don't fail for lack of backing. They collapse because the failure of each individual's will, right? But they're all helped. They're helped as much as possible. Whenever we choose the dubious, quick, and easy monetary reward over a long and honest road, or if we let our passions overrule the sound advice from our conscience, these are the points of failure. A spirit wouldn't be charged with a mission that couldn't be accomplished. But, sometimes we fail anyway. What occurs that in response to emotions or events, we stop listening to our conscience, that valuable voice inside your head, and attempt to find an erroneous way out of our predicament? Is this easy? Of course not, for I am absolutely certain I have failed many times. I've been told that, right? And, cause I, and they said, because I valued money over helping people. Boy, that hits right on, right? And only in this life was I, you know, and they put me through these experiences. Like, you know, during, uh, people may not remember, but this was like in the 1990s, during the first internet boom, where people were going crazy. And I saw people that they would sell their own mothers for an extra, you know, dollar. their stock going up an extra dollar, right? And getting that million dollars. Now it's a billion dollars now, but uh, it just completely just turned me off. Uh, that money became, I, I said, no, I'm not going to be in management anymore. I'm just going to be a worker. Uh, I just can't do that. Uh, that, was, that. That whole series of events was probably there set to, to, to say, come on, Brian, you've you've just been a selfish, you know what, right? For too many lives, you've been to this over and over and over again, and we're not going to let that happen. So, anyway, it looks like I think I'm, I'm already past my time but I, I hope that this has been uh, very helpful for you and I I want to say god bless to everybody tonight and I want to uh, wish everyone to please share this share this video please share the um, uh, the YouTube videos on our on, on YouTube and please subscribe to YouTube our BitChute and look at my my books are on the right hand side of my uh website you can look at my books you can also get i've also got you can look up uh spirit's book or alan kardec pdf you can find his books on pdf so i recommend everyone to go see this, this has been a great uh talk tonight and please come back next sunday god bless everyone